Welcome to the Self-Kindness with Pete podcast, the podcast where I show you how the practice of inner kindness changes everything. Through the conversations here, I'll teach you how to turn that harsh, critical, and even hurtful inner voice into one that is kind, supportive, and healing. I'm Pete Sibley, the self-kindness coach, and I am so glad you're here. Hello and welcome to another Self-Kindness with Pete. I am Pete Sibley, and how are you doing, my friend? That question is a question of curiosity. Do we really go in and get curious when somebody asks us, how are we doing? You know, there's so many things have been coming up in the coaching calls I've been having, uh, the conversation that I had for this podcast today. I'm so excited about my guest today, Christine Stewart. We're going to get into what we talked about in just a moment. But first, uh, you know, getting curious, it seems to be the theme right now. And I feel like so much in our lives can change and shift by something so small, which is getting curious. And those small changes, those small shifts, that also speaks to something that feels like a truism that I recently uh, was listening to. It's like, when we get curious, we slow down. When we get curious, there's a level of, you know, there's a quality of play, there's a quality of delight, there's a quality of interest. And getting curious could be such a different way of meeting your life as it shows up. So when I was deep in dark places in my life, when the thoughts were just overwhelming, when it felt like I couldn't look at the world without seeing all of the ways that humanity was going to hell in a handbasket, I was not practicing curiosity. And I feel like part of my journey from that place to where I sit today, which again, you know, come on people, we're all real here. Nobody has, uh, you know, it cornered on on having it all figured out. And it's not about landing in a place of being happy all the time. But there is a depth and degree in my life of something that, uh, you know, harkens back to the idea of a peace that passes understanding. To be able to access a place of curiosity, even when it feels like, you know, you need to get back to reality here. If we can first get curious, and by the way, what the hell does getting back to reality actually mean? What reality are we getting back to? Anyway, that's something that I've been working on in my own life with my coaches and therapists. Um, getting curious. I love also how that, so as it pertains to you, is there something that is a disruption in your life? Is there something that is a worry or a stress point or a place of anxiety in your life right now? Getting curious can create some space. And 
in that space, so much can happen. There is so much wisdom through the ages that talk about creating space. And any time that we are able to create space from the occurrence, you know, the initial uh, event and our reaction to it, anytime we create space, we open up a, f- a place where our own decisions, our own capability to choose, our own free will, call it what, you know, our own intuition, that space may seem minuscule, but it's big enough for, like, it, I mean, it's, it's only relative that it's minuscule, maybe in time between the event and your reaction, but creating a tiny bit of space and the, your, the entire world, the entire universe can flow and fly into that space. So I don't know if this is totally landing and how did I get into this. It was all around how powerful something as simple as curiosity can be. And so I have a friend, um, and Michelle, I hope I pronounced your last name right, uh, Michelle Morquette, Morquette, sorry, who invited me a couple weeks ago to be on a clubhouse conversation with her. And in that, she's also a life coach. You know, we have opened up this dialogue around masculinity and, um, and one conversation out there is this idea of disrupting patriarchy. And that is patriarchy as it has affected all of us. No one wins within that container of patriarchy. Even a person who looks like me, who quote-unquote should be winning. And yes, there are lots of places where, um, you know, knowingly or unknowingly to me, which is for me to, to discover, that I have benefited from that system. But the patriarchy hurts and harms everybody. And so we've been kind of DMing back and forth, uh, Michelle Morquette and I, Kurt, sorry, I keep saying that wrong, um, about disrupting the patriarchy. And self-kindness is one way to do that. Because the patriarchy works in kind of like this muscle-in, you know, cowboy-up kind of energy. And kindness is uh, an energy towards allowing and opening and accepting. And so in that disruption, it's my hope that something like self-kindness and the conversations that I'm having, Michelle is having, uh, the conversation that I have today on this podcast with uh, Christine, um, and all of the work that is going on out there, my hope is to not just fix and come up with, you know, something better, but it is to totally make that narrative of that the patriarchy created make it obsolete. It's like a full metamorphosis. Rather than just trying to fix the old, we're going for the metamorphosis. And metamorphosis, like the caterpillar and the butterfly, 
you know, it's not just the butterfly, the caterpillar becoming something new inside the cocoon. It's like the caterpillar creates the cocoon and then it totally, it has essentially spits a digestive enzyme acid and, you know, it totally dissolves itself into a goo. And from that goo, the genesis of the butterfly is created and born. So that's what we're doing here. We're spitting digestive juices onto the old narrative, creating a goo, and some butterflies are already emerging. Where are you on your journey with that? Where are you in your opening, in your exploration, and your willingness It could be terrifying to a human brain to think about, like, I'm going to go in and totally digest (laughs) and turn into everything that I knew, everything that was solid into goo, and you're telling me that's a good thing? That's what a human mind would say to the caterpillar. And yet, the metamorphosis happens by that willingness to go into that change, to break out of the old and make it obsolete to step into something new. And so that is the power of curiosity. And that's what we're going to get into today in my conversation with Christine Stewart. So my conversation today is with Christine Stewart. She is a certified life coach. She's an experienced herbalist, and calls herself a loyal dog mom who loves talking to plants. And in today's conversation, what I want to point you to is this idea of noticing. Listen in the her first story. I love this first story, which is a pandemic story when we first went into the pandemic. And she talks about growing things and how that appeared like it was something that wasn't going to work. And then the incredible discovery that she made and then also about this idea of getting curious and hearing her delight in that curiosity as it relates to plants and this adventure of becoming an herbalist Um, but also how that is so connected and intertied with just how we are nature and how we have evolved with plants, and how reconnecting with that connects us back to inspiration with self-trust, and how this plant knowledge helps us understand stress and exhaustion in our lives, and how to work with it. So here's my conversation with Christine, and what's funny is we were talking ahead of time, and I hit record, And we were just like sharing stories of what our minds were telling us. And so we actually pick up right in the middle of talking about the human brain. And then we get into our conversation. Human brains, man, it's like so cyclical, right? We all experience very similar cycles of suffering and we all think we're in it alone. And like the thoughts that we believe, like we just never were taught how to not believe a thought or how to question how to have a thought without 
attaching to it. And it is probably the most important, especially now, like in this moment, we think about the war in Ukraine. Yeah. That is a man attached to his thoughts. Yeah. yeah. Like it is the most useful skill we could ever learn and we don't learn it. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's just wild. Like if you were really to write down my stream of consciousness, I would sound like a crazy person. Right? I think we all would. Maybe we can end. That's how we just started the podcast. Welcome yeah. to the podcast. Welcome back to self-kindness with the Christine. So glad that you're here. Um, Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, I think that's going to be a beautiful place to to hop in. Um, and and we're back on. We're going to talk today more about um, your expertise or your delight actually is how I see it in, um, in plants and herbs and how that can be a beautiful, create a beautiful partnership with a journey that I title self-kindness. But, um, but yeah, so I guess I'll just put it, uh, put it on to you of maybe just a quick intro to remind folks again of what you're doing in the world and how you're doing it. And then uh, do you have, maybe you can segue uh, into this idea of how your journey or your connection with, with herbs and plants. And even I want to, I want to extend the conversation um, to like your wider curiosity around the planet and, and, um, and yeah. So is that enough to, to go? Yeah. Okay. Go. I'm so excited to be back, Pete. I am. I am delighted. Um, I help. So I'm a life coach. I help folks do what they love. So I help people do the things that they've been thinking about doing for a really long time. And plants for me, what? So plants for me has it's been such a part of my own personal practice. It's really like, it really is my delight. This is what I do for me and how I fill my cup for me, because there's a, what I have found through my work, and I'm sure you found this too, our brains live in our bodies. There's a like reciprocal relationship between the mind and the body, right? Like how, what you think impacts how you physically feel in your body. We can think our way to illness. Like we, the thoughts we have can create stress and it creates physical illness in the body. And we also know that when you address issues in the body, you can start to feel better in your mind. Yeah. When I gave up gluten, so I have celiac, when I gave up gluten, it was like, holy shit, I have never felt this kind of, I've never been so joyful. I've never had such happy thoughts so consistently. Right. right? There's such a, such a relationship between the mind and the body. But um, my journey with plants started in 2020, which so if we go back to like April of 2020, the time that I know we're all like really eager to go back to in our minds, <laughs> the pandemic had just started. My partner and I were living an hour outside in New York City. So we're like really in it. A lot of our friends were commuting to the city. A lot of our, we had friends who were, you know, sharing photos on social media of what it was like. The first month of the pandemic in New York City, we didn't know, we were wiping down our groceries. We didn't know if we were supposed to wear masks. It was like, that chapter of the pandemic. Yeah. And I was home from work at the time working full time. I hadn't yet transitioned to coaching full time and I was home from work and I 
I was like, you know what? I'm going to garden. I literally have nothing else to do and I can't watch the news as much. So I'm going to garden. So I ordered all of these gardening supplies. I put all these little pots out on our back uh, porch in the middle of the woods. And I grew, nothing grew except the kale plants. And I hate kale. <laughs> so I had 14 kale plants growing in my back, porch, my back porch. And I was like, I don't even eat this kale. And the slowly over time, over the course of the summer, I'm like picking away at the kale plants. The kale plants all died. I killed 14 different kale plants, which is like, think about what's happening in the world. And then what was happening in my home, I was just so low. I was like, God, I can't even, I have this hobby. I've killed all of the kale plants. So I'm tossing the last like kale plant out into the woods. And I noticed in the corner of the pot, there was this plant that was growing that was like not kale, because I was intimately familiar with kale at this point. <laughs> it was not kale. And it kind of looked like mint, but it smelled like lemon. And at this point, I had never taken an herbalism course. I hadn't. I was always interested, but I really didn't have the time to study herbalism or the money, really. Yeah. Yeah. And so I let this plant grow. And this plant that grew in my backyard in the middle of the woods in this little pot was lemon balm which is so cool if you know what lemon balm does. Lemon balm is like, it's an antidepressant. It's an antiviral. It is this like sunshiny plant that's super resilient. It's part of the mint family. So it's like, it's like hard to kill lemon balm. Sometimes I walk around my neighborhood now in Columbus and I see like all the lemon balm plants that have escaped gardens and now just grow wild. In the middle of a viral pandemic mm. where like I was feeling so depressed and so scared and so anxious. This plant just showed up in my pot and my patio. Yes. Yeah. And it was really, that was the beginning of my journey with herbs. It felt like it was something that, I mean, we were in the middle of the woods. There were no gardens nearby. I have no idea how a lemon balm seed found its way. But that it like perfectly yeah. Yeah. encapsulates what herbalism is for me. It's this like natural form of medicine that is freely available to all of us. And there's something mystical, kind of unexplainable about how herbs work in the body, which is just so, like for me, it really opens up to my mind to, I got so much more as possible than I can ever imagine or know. Yeah. And I spent the entire winter growing this lemon balm plant. And I really think it's part of the reason I was able to like get a handle on my mental health during the most kind of stressful winter of my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And I love that it began with, you know, what a beautiful metaphor just in the self-kindness journey. Like that's where my mind frames it is like, we have this intention, right? Like, I'm, oh, all right, now yeah. I'm going to grow some stuff. I'm going to grow this kale and <laughs> I'm going to grow this other stuff and, or I'm going to grow this other stuff none of the other stuff grows the stuff that does grow you don't really want and as you are like you know discarding this quote-unquote failure suddenly in that you notice one thing yeah. that one thing that you notice out of what seemed like a total failed effort is the thing that then opens up this whole new aspect of you connects you um, and 
I love the fact you're, I mean, it, it's no coincidence that it was lemon balm and it has those exact attributes as a plant. Um, but it is yeah. wild. Yeah, it, yeah. And it's such a good, it's such a good metaphor because that's where the medicine is, right? It's like you have the failure. Life literally felt like it was falling apart. I mean, early days of the pandemic, every single thing I was we were all looking forward to was canceled. Yeah. We didn't know how we were going to, like, we were living under so much stress. <laughs> then I have this foiled hobby. I'm like, how fuck this? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, this was pre sourdough. I mean, even. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this right. was pre over this coffee with drinks. Yeah. Right. Before that. These yeah. are the early days. These were the early days of the pandemic. So, yeah. yeah. All right. So, lemon balm and so I don't know where to go. Like I've got so many like fun questions that, that have, have popped up. Um, but do you want to like continue us on, on your journey for just a little bit longer? So yeah. now you've grown this yeah, yeah. Bomb all winter. Yeah. And I started studying herbalism. I kind yeah. of, it took this as a sign that this was something that just ignited something within me that I couldn't stop. So I signed up for two or three different herbalism classes that year. I continued my journey. And what I think is so, what I found to be so powerful for me is as I was learning about herbalism, I was also growing my own coaching practice. And I was doing that after being furloughed from work and then choosing to, to not return to work. I was growing a coaching practice, like not in the way that I recommend to my clients, right? It's not like I had all this extra income or I could grow it slowly over the course of years. It was just like, okay, now like I'm doing it. And my body was feeling so much stress. And so I really needed a way to manage my own stress levels and support my own mental health in what felt like a world where there was just a lot of pressure. Mm. And so I started to look to chamomile and lemon balm and peppermint and oat straw and these really nutritive herbs for the nervous system to like when I would have, I remember asking my doctor if I could overdose on chamomile because I was drinking it so much. I would drink like three or four cups before I would get on a call because I was still nervous to get on calls. Yeah, right. And I think it's such a beautiful... um, I think that is the beauty of herbs. When we think about self-kindness, there's almost like there's the mind, which is where things begin. But there's also the like the impact it has on your body. And if we're not taking care of our body along the way, if our self-kindness practice doesn't involve taking care of our physical bodies, I feel like it's incomplete. Right. It's so interesting. It's like um, plant medicine belongs to all of us, regardless of where we come from and what our lineage is. This is something that like all of our ancestors had and used. This runs through humans have evolved with plants for as long as humans have been human. And we will continue to evolve with plants as long as we're both alive on this planet. And I think now, like now as we're recording this, we're you know, almost two weeks into this war in Ukraine, we already have, we are still in a global pandemic. We've, the things that we've all collectively experienced over the past two years 
has created, it's like, if we think about our bigger consciousness, right? Like of society, what's happening with society, we're stressed, we're exhausted. We already had a mind that wasn't kind, (laughs) right? Like, it's not like we're doing all of this with a Buddha mind or a Buddha nature. Like we still have our human brains that, you know, want to like, when we're sitting down and drinking coffee, it's like, oh, you don't deserve this, right? Right. So we still have our human brains and we have all of these circumstances with this external stress. And what's so cool about plants is that like, I think this is the kindest thing we can do is learn about plants and the natural world, develop real relationships with plants beyond like, I take this for that. It's not, Mm -hmm. these aren't pills. What's so beautiful about these plants is that they start to you have real relationships with them. Like you would have a relationship with a person. Yes. Right. And so it's like, it's like thinking about plants and herbs and tea rituals and skincare rituals using, using herbal medicine. All of these are different tools that we have in our tool belt that we will always have in our tool belt tool belt for as long as humans are alive. Yeah. You know, what's coming to mind and I'm just going to allow it to play out is that um, maybe what's run through my mind a little bit when I get excited about an idea or even something that is shown to me that can be really helpful and healthful in my life. And my mind starts to think like, geez, Christine, that's going to like takes a lot of time it takes like a lot of effort, <laughs> like it's so much easier to like, you know, grab something out of the fridge or, you know, it's so much e- like, you know, it, it feels like the invitation that, uh, you know, that you're talking about can be confronting in a way that's like, oh my gosh, like this is going to be hard kind of thing of like, um, oh, totally. And I'm thinking of yeah. it because like, it's funny we're having this conversation. I didn't even mention this. But so we're my wife and I are finishing up a um, a cleanse that was, you know, more focused on well, it got rid of all processed food, so no gluten, no sugar, um, no dairy, and a lot of the like acidic foods, like so like processed tomatoes and things like that, and no no caffeine. So I'm drinking this morning uh, oh dandy God. blend, which is you know roasted. Yes chicory and oats, <laughs> uh, barley, I think, and, and, you know, dandelion root. Um, and I love it, but I also noticed that like, I've been like, there have been moments where I'm like, just like thinking about pizza and, um, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, it's a little different than, but I wanted to like more to kind of put back into your corner, this, what you're talking about, this relationship, because I think that's the development that you're speaking more about is like continuing to get curious about the relationship between your body and your mind and the food that you eat and your body and these herbs that can help, you know, the the different plant medicines. Um, Yeah. 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 I mean, pizza forever and ever. Like I don't know. I feel like uh yeah, pizza's like a forever food for me. But the what's so interesting about that, it's like we don't we already have relationships with plants. We don't have to go out and learn a bunch of new things. 
I remember feeling so, um, so overwhelmed when I first started learning. Like I would go into an apothecary and want to get teas and not know if what I was drinking would hurt me or how much I could have or how, like I had no idea where to start. And I think what's so, what's so cool about this is plants have, plants never left us. Mm. Like we, if you think about the kind of evolution of modern medicine, like in the mid 1800s, there was this real move away from herbal medicine more towards like what we know as medicine and healing now. But a lot of the herbs, like thinking about rosemary and sage and peppermint and spearmint and chamomile, um, a lot of these culinary herbs, fennel, they're things that never left our kitchens because we, the relationship between human and herb is so strong. It's like, how could we not have these things? And the the best thing I did when I first started learning about herbal medicine was starting with one plant at a time. Mm. Like I spent six months with lemon balm before I learned about any other plants. I drank it a million different ways. I, you know, had it iced, I had it, I tried it in salad. I tried it in all the different ways to get to know this plant because it is overwhelming when you start. And it's like one of those, you know, in my experience, it's like when people start, it feels like riding a bike. It's like you never forget how to do it. You never, it's in us. It's in our DNA. Yeah. Like we, yeah, it's such a simple, I think if we all just did one thing, like if I was to say, okay, one takeaway from this conversation that I think most of the world should be on a, a regimen of chamomile, <laughs> <laughs> like, right? It's a super simple plant. We've seen it in every sleepy time tea blend. Yeah. You, everyone knows about it. Like people's grandmas had it. It's this, it is the plant for kind of like nervous anxiety, or if you get nervous and your stomach hurts, this is the plant for you. Yeah. If you have bad menstrual cramps. If you have a cold, if you um, have any kind of inflammatory conditions, an anti-inflammatory, you can use it on your skin. It's gentle enough for babies and elders and pets. Like it's this kind of like, there aren't universal cure-alls anywhere. And if we were all to do one thing, drinking chamomile tea every day for a month would change your consciousness. Right. Because it like, everything we eat changes our consciousness. It's so interesting. We think about consciousness altering plants as like psilocybin or cannabis or things that really give you a different, like an intense kind of an acute different experience of reality. Right. You and I were to eat large pizzas every day for a month. That would also change our, our consciousness. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So now that you've been into it, for this period of time like what are give us some of of the knowledge that you have started to gain about different herbs um how they kind of play into like the larger how they've started to fold into um into your life as um as a practice but also as something it sounds like maybe it's even coming up in how you are working with clients. Um, so just, yeah, yeah. Download some of that, that knowledge, if you would. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, so here is, 
here is what I think like, if I were to boil this down, it's like we, if we all just did one thing with herbs a day, by the end of the year, we would be pros at this. And we already do things with herbs. We already cook with herbs. We already know these plants as part of our ritual. But um, you know, there's something really, we are super connected all signs point to technology getting more advanced and for us meeting in virtual spaces like this more and more. We, it's like we're building this world for our minds, for our like intellect, right? But then we forget like we are humans who are kind of meant to roam this earth and walk on trails and bend down and know plants and mushrooms and these things and I think I think one of the kindest things that we can do for ourselves, especially in moments like these, especially when you're doing hard things, is to just find your find your ally. The thing I've noticed about herbs and the so my inner circle, <laughs> I bring like teas and vinegars and lotions and all these herbal things every time I go anywhere and I'm like a, I'm like an herb pusher and what's really <laughs> what's really um interesting is that our bodies know what we need and we know what we like so my partner loves woodbet tea he wasn't he's not into herbalism he wasn't into herbalism before we started but he has been kind of following along and will try teas and it's like when he drinks a cup of this tea it's like his whole body lights up what kind of tea called wood betony it's a it's an herb in the mint family and it's i've heard i think matthew wood he's an herbalist describes it as like the perfect herb for people who are burnt out by technology and exhausted and my partner has been working as an audio engineer producing television in a dark room surrounded by technology for the last like 10 years yeah, yeah. he didn't know that and i didn't know that when he started drinking it and it's like his body lit up yes Right. Yeah. He has that reaction to wood me. I have those feelings about chamomile tea, about yeah. chamomile, right? Like it's yeah. like if I had, if I was on an Island and I just had one tea, it would be that. If I just had one herb, it would be that. Yeah. And I think what is so cool about this journey is that it's different for everyone. There's no, like, you're going to like these 10 teas. It's like in different seasons of life, different herbs are going to taste better and feel better in your body because of what your body needs. Right. So it's, it's really interesting to watch. One of my good friends loves dandelion tea, roasted uh, dandelion root, Yeah. right? It's super cleansing for the liver and it's perfect for spring. I only crave dandelion tea in the spring. Yeah. Yeah. And there's something, so I think one of the, one of the things I've learned about herbalism, it is helpful if you're interested to take classes and to study and to learn the different herbs and their actions and properties. And it is also like so human just to go to the store and see what you're drawn to and pick that from the shelf and it. notice how it feels in your body. And if it feels good, you keep doing it. And if it doesn't feel good, you stop. Yeah. And to just trust that 
Because what's really interesting about plants is like, it's so different than our Western model of, of medicine. There's no like this plant cures this. It's like every plant has different energies and properties. So plants will be hot or cold, damp or dry. Humans also run hot or cold, damp or dry. And so like in developing more awareness of um, yourself, you also find your like, your perfect allies out in the, the herb world. Yes, yes. It is such a radical and it feels so like you don't have to buy anything. You don't really have to, it's helpful to look at books. It's helpful. Everything you need, you could probably find on Google and in your backyard. Yeah. Right. There are already plants growing in your backyard that are medicinal. And it's so like, it is just such a radical form of self-care and self-kindness to take back like, I can take care of myself. Mm. I can trust my body. I can trust that if things feel good in my body, like that, I, I trust that I honor that. Mm. Yeah. 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 There's such a, I mean, I love, I love how you're putting, you know, just that, that trust factor that just picking out some of these herbs is an act of self-trust. And, you know, for me with the idea of self-kindness, like, self-kindness is just a big umbrella maybe like the word that you're you know using of herbalism but it's like a, it's a big um, umbrella of just all of these other aspects of of learning and connection that we can make um just in really what i hear in you is this this like hype heightened sense of curiosity and yeah. I, f- I feel like all of the spiritual teachers talk about that, like, you know, a heightened level of curiosity is like, really, if we could just be working on cultivating that, like so much unfolds from that, like, I'm feeling really like, horrible right now, a heightened level of curiosity is a deep way to go into that rather than like, just being like, I feel terrible. I want to stop it right now. I want to get rid of it. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I, I, I love how you're, you know, you're, you're finding that and you're sharing with us that, that curiosity and excitement and inspiration um, and reminding us that we all have it with plants. I feel like we all have it with plants, with nature, like however we connect that way. Right. Yeah. Well, and it's such a good point. Like you have an emotion, you feel awful. The question doesn't become like, the question stops being, how do I fix this? How do I stop it? It's like, how do I care for myself in this moment? Yeah. What is the most caring and gentle thing I can do in this moment? I tell, was telling a client last week, like there's a time to work with your mind and to, to look at your thoughts and to work on your mindset and to, there's a time for that, but there's also just a time for like smelling lavender. Right. Right. Like you don't have to, we're not constant self-improvement projects. Like we can use herbs as a way, like in the, when we are feeling intense emotions, a lot of the herbs that we already know and love are aromatic herbs. So like sage, rosemary, peppermint, lavender, we already know these, we already probably grow these. And when we feel intense emotion, it's like, we don't have to fix ourselves. We don't have to 
be scared of the emotion. We can just, we have tools yeah, like that impact us on a physical body. I mean, all of those aromatic herbs, like have an impact on your neurological system. They do. You know, that's funny you say that because I mean, people could say what they, you know, everybody has an opinion about California and I live in California now. I never thought I would live here, but I remember the first time I ever came here. I was, you know, maybe late 20s or so, and we were coming to visit uh, a friend of my wife's. And we got off the plane in San Francisco. It had been winter in Wyoming. And uh, we got off the plane, and the first thing I noticed was the smell. I was Mm -hmm. like, this place smells good. And that's, that's just how I, you know, and I remember each time I came back to California, you know, I just had that, I mean, maybe I was just fortunate and privileged of the areas that I got to go to, but I was like, this place smells good. Like there's something about the smell, you know, and I I love that you talk about that aromatic because I notice it in my life. Now, when I go back and visit my family uh, in Connecticut, like there's a smell and I'm like, that's Connecticut summer or like yeah. that's Connecticut fall. And like, so, so maybe like, would I get, you know, just to emphasize that point, like we already have that information stored in us, like you're talking about, Yeah. you know, yeah. we can all attribute like, you know, that idea of the smell of rain or this, you know, the, so, yeah. so yeah, I love that. We're, we're kind of exciting that those reminders, you know, and I think it's, um, like when you're just starting out with something like this, I think one of the first places to look is like to your lineage, right? You know, the smell of Connecticut because you lived it Yeah. because your family is there, but it's like the smell of dill reminds me of my grandpa in the garden. Yeah. Right. The smell of chamomile reminds me of summers at my grandma's, on my grandma's porch. Like it, we, the herbal medicine really was kind of like, you know, there were the witch burnings and there was this, there was a lot of fear around using herbs for a really long time. And we've inherited a lot of that where it feels maybe a little bit esoteric or a little like, oh, does it really work? Right. But if you just look to your grandparents or your great-grandparents' generations, like we have herbal traditions already. It really just, we can look to like what we grew up with and what we know as a place to start. And I think what's so cool about this is like in doing that, you start to build a relationship to the natural world, which is really important because we are nature. (laughs) Like that's- (laughs) Oh yeah, Uh uh-huh. You know what I mean? I think we forget. It's like nature's outside of my house. But like our house is just like a birdhouse. It's the same. And so we have gotten to a place where I think we forget, like we've forgotten who we are, Yeah. what our role here is. And I think in doing that, it creates a lot of stress for us and a lot of anxiety. And we're in our minds a lot. And we and be really mean to ourselves. It is really hard to be an asshole to yourself after you've spent the whole morning outside with plants or after you've spent a whole <laughs> totally, morning hiking. Totally. Well, and let's talk about hiking because you recently had a really neat 
post uh, about hiking and, you know, and the, the realizations or, you know, as your mind had slowed down, like these different things that came to you that were big kind of changes just by simply being on a hike. And I love that, like in my own personal experience growing up um, again in Connecticut, and I had a lot of woods around me and I was given free reign to just wander in the woods and explore. And, you know, I would make up all kinds of adventures that I was going on, but I feel like there was a learning that happened in me around just being curious about nature or like, Oh, what's that plant? Or like, Oh, is that, you know, is that a, uh, an animal carcass, you know, that's been picked by bird, like my curiosity I've taken that, like we were talking about, and now have applied it to my my inner journey when I do that that work. But the the muscle of curiosity, um, and the muscle of opening, and just being a witness, I feel like began by wandering. So yeah. share share what you've been talking about with hiking and just being out in nature. Yeah, you know, I forgot that you grew up. What part of Connecticut did you grow up in? I grew up right next to where you used to be. So I grew up in Easton, Connecticut. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just those classic kind of, what do you think of New England woods? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so beautiful. Well, it's, what's cool about hiking, I think, and the reason a lot of my biggest decisions happened after a hike and the I think part of this is like, there's three types of actions we're always taking regardless of, like I could just be sitting here right now and I could, I, I'm taking action. So the stuff that happens in your mind or your mind wanders, what you plan for, what you imagine about the past and the future. It's like all the things you're thinking about. And that uses like 20% of our energy. 20% of our calorie intake goes toward mental functioning which is cognitive functioning, which is crazy. So you think about like almost a quarter of your energy is spent thinking. And then there's things we say, and then there's things we do with our physical body. And what's so effective, I think about hiking is that it is really hard for you to not be most, a lot of the time we're just in our brains, just in our minds, mm. right? Like we could be physically somewhere, but we're thinking about something else or imagining something else. When you're hiking, that is really a non-starter. <laughs> It's really hard to go on a hike for the most part and to be anywhere but in your body because of the smells and the sounds. And there's usually an element of kind of like danger. Like there could be something in the woods. I should pay attention. Yeah. Yeah. And so what is so powerful, I think, about hiking is it really gets you out of like those non-productive cycles we have where we try to solve all these problems in our brain before anything has happened in reality. And yeah. so we're just thinking about, it's like, okay, I want to do this thing. And I'm going to think about all of the worst case scenarios. I'm going to plan for that. I'm going to think about that. None of that has happened anywhere, but in my mind. Right, <laughs> right. right, right. Yeah. And when you're hiking, it's like you come back into your body. I think that's one of the things that's so effective about herbs too. It ignites your senses in such a way you can smell and taste and feel and touch like, that is hard to be anywhere but in your body. So then your mind and your body are working together. Like you are thinking, you are curious about things you see in the natural world. Mm. Yeah. 
And it really like, you know, my business was born on a hike. My good friend's business was born on a hike. My partner decided to leave his job after a long hike because it really allows you, like there's no place to go when you're hiking. Right. You've just got to hike the hill. You've just, yeah. you right? You just, you. what are you going to do? You're just going to stop in the middle of the woods? <laughs> well, I feel like, you know, that it, there's nowhere to go like really struck with me because I'm thinking of my hikes recently and yeah you know you're you're going along and of course the mind is it's doing all of its thing in the beginning but then it's almost like it slows down and it like it hits a thread even if you're still you know hiking and going along but even with that thread like there's no place to unless you you brought a journal along with you or something like that but it's it's so different than like right now. Normally, if we get a thread, it's like, oh, let me shoot an email. Let me, you know, let me take a voice memo. Let me, you know, let me catch that yeah. thread. But it's almost like we allow the thread to just keep playing and playing and playing until, you know, at, by the end of the hike, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, it's like an effortless way to get if we do want to make a decision to just. Yeah. You don't end yeah, and, the hike yeah. the same person you were when you started. Right. Yeah, totally. Yeah, my family's always like, are you going on your hike, Dad? It's, you could use that hike. <laughs> I know. You can tell how uh, long it's been since I've hiked by how cranky I get. That's right. It. Because it really, it's like, and I also think it's part of the cycle of doing hard things. Like when you do something physically hard, it your internal experience changes by working out can be so valuable. It's just hard to be stuck in a really stressful thought pattern when you're physically like on a hike, right? Like you may start there, but you don't, you don't end there. And I think you have different thoughts that are available to you. You have different perspectives that are available to you just by breathing fresh air and moving your body and exercising. And it's such a, I mean, I think it's such like a, it's just innately human, right? Yeah. This like herbal medicine is, or like inquiry is into the mind. What are we doing here? What's our purpose? Like all of this stuff, it feels good because it's like part of our ancestry. Right. You know, what's so interesting. Have you heard of this study on um, mice with cherry blossoms? No. Oh no. This is fascinating. And this speaking of things that are innately human that we're born with, born into, they were there were some researchers who were researching trauma in mice, which is oh, it's like kind of awful that we do this. But the they would expose the mice to the smell of cherry blossoms and then they would shock them. And so the mice started to have a trauma reaction to the smell of cherry blossoms. So as soon as they would smell it, they would have the same physical reaction as if they were being shocked again, but they weren't. Mm -hmm. And then those mice, those mice, those mice had children and the, their children had the same reaction to the smell of cherry blossoms, but they were never exposed to the smell of cherry blossoms. Wow. So what they're finding is that trauma is passed down through our genes as like survival instructions. Mm -hmm. So when you think about, we are not just living in the world, you know, we're not blank slates living in this world. We are born with 
ancestral trauma that lives within us. And part of knowing that is like, okay, how do I take the very, how, how can I be so kind to myself? Right. You see the, every single person on this planet was born with trauma before they ever experienced anything in the real world. And then they went and had, what, had childhoods. My God. Right. And so you, <laughs> wow. so we are all operating with levels of hurt and feeling not good enough or questioning what we're doing. Like we all have this. I mean, you think about whether it's hiking or herbal medicine or like inquiry and coaching and the work that you and I do. It's like you find yourself kindness practice and you do everything that you can to do that as often as you can with as much love as you can, because you see like this human condition, like how do we not have compassion for that? Yeah. 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 We're born with trauma. Yeah. With these you know, trauma responses. Yeah. As you're saying that, like it, it made me th- get, like uh, earlier comment around like being out in the fresh air. And it's like, the more you connect with that in your own journey, and I love, yeah, the idea, I mean, I don't love the idea of the trauma, but this idea that, you know, the work that, that we do with ourselves is so essential because then as it starts to like really become, you know, dwell in us, like what I notice with is that we can't help but like want to have that available for other people. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so if people don't have fresh air or access to fresh air, like it becomes something that, that, you know, we are more connected with, like, the, like it's so valuable. Like how can we make that a possibility for, you know, for, yeah. for more people? So like, it just changes the conversation, not changes the conversation, but again, it widens the lens of, of like, yes, and yes, and, um, and that's yeah. what, I mean, that's what's so cool about your work, I think, because really it's self-kindness could seem selfish. <laughs> like, what am I doing for others? Yeah. But it's the most selfless thing you could do because when you develop compassion and kindness for yourself, you see yourself and everyone. Yes. You start to see like people as whole suffering people just like you who have lived complicated lives. Yeah. Yeah. And it's such a, I think if, you know, some of these practices that we're talking about can seem, I remember before I started, I was like, people, what do I do? Like, it's nice to understand some of these concepts, but like, what do I do? What do I do with this? How do I start? And I think what you and I are talking about is like, you just, you start exactly where you are with exactly what you have, you, you can like, even if it's a daily walk, if it's looking in your backyard to see what's growing and just being curious about what's growing, it's making sage tea or chamomile tea and just noticing how it feels in your body. If it's sitting down and drinking coffee and just noticing what your thoughts are, it's just about paying attention. Yeah. Yeah. And all of these are tools to pay attention to experience life differently, but you can't have self-kindness until you have awareness. Mm. You can't change anything until you're conscious and aware. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, 
I talk a lot about that with, with, you know, the people that I work with of this idea and I use them interchangeably, uh, noticing and awareness. And I feel like noticing is maybe can lean a little bit more into like just being cognitive of the mind and the thoughts and the story, like notice that, notice that. And awareness sometimes has more of like a felt, um, aspect to it you know being aware of the body like being aware of where you're physically feeling something smelling something so um so i love that you bring that up that awareness because i was i was talking about this with a client recently and i was like you know as a child you know like a door isn't a door yet it's like this thing and you open you close it you slam it you know, you, you hold on and maybe you like bite onto the side of it. And, you know, you're, you're trying to get the experience of this thing. And then at some point it's like the word door and the experience merge. Right. And so what I love about what you're talking about is like, this is like an intentional way where people can kind of do that demerging like backwards. Like everybody's heard of chamomile what is your relationship with chamomile? Like you can do this thing backwards now. Like, you know, you have this cognitive and Eckhart Tolle talked about that with honey one time. Um, I think it might've been in the power of now, but he's like, you could do a dissertation on honey. You can know everything chemically about honey. You can study bees and know everything of the life cycle of honey. But if you've never tasted honey, like, you don't have the experience of honey. Yeah. So same, same with these herbs. And what a gorgeous invitation you're giving us uh, today in this conversation. It's such a, you know, there's one more practice that is so simple that everyone could do probably with whatever tea you already have in your cabinet that you haven't looked at in months, right? I have that. (laughs) It's, because it's exactly what you're describing. So our we didn't just learn about plants through trial and error. We like shamans communicated with plants by changing their energy. So there's an energy of gratitude and love that tends to like that is the energy that shamans would like when you want to communicate with a plant, you bring yourself into a space of feeling gratitude and love. And so the last exercise, it's challenge by choice, but it's the last invitation for everyone listening is to have a cup of tea, to take a minute to bring yourself into feeling some sort of gratitude or love. Doesn't matter how you get there. And then just notice how the tea feels in your body. Notice how your tongue feels. Notice how your muscles start to feel. Notice what happens in your mind when you're drinking tea? It's just an exercise in awareness because what can start to happen and what does start to happen is you may notice that like you feel different herbs differently. Like when I drink chamomile tea, it's like my shoulders drop. It's the first thing I notice. But everyone has a different relationship with it. My relationship with chamomile won't be yours. It's not my partner's. My partner doesn't like chamomile tea. I'm about it all the time, right? <laughs> he doesn't like it. 
it's, but because he has a different, he knows the plant differently than I do. And it's, it's such a cool complimentary practice, especially for folks who like for your clients who are doing this work and who are developing awareness to just practice that skill set in a different way where you're consuming something you can do with any food. It's especially powerful with medicinal plants. And just start to notice how it feels in your body, where you feel it and what happens to your mind. And that alone is such a powerful self-kindness practice because then you know exactly what to call on that plant for, for you. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 Oh my goodness. I love it. So Christine, before, uh, before I forget, um, see if we can get one more question in, but before we get there, like give us like this, the specifics just on how people can find you, how people can follow this adventure. Um, one thing I love about your Instagram, I love the photos, um, you know, just beautiful photos. And I love those reminders and those invitations. And there's a, there's, there's a playfulness, um, in your, in your discovery. Like there is, there's something of, I don't even know if I pronounce it right. Mullen is that Ah, yeah. And I remember (laughs) seeing it like all over the place because, you know, I took some, I've always enjoyed, obviously, nature and took a bunch of botany. And I was at school in Ohio. So, um, so I felt like I would see, you know, mullen all over the place. And I kind of always thought of it as like, it's just, it's, the thing that comes in after soil has been compacted or, you know, has been, it's kind of like, almost like it's kind of like a cleanup plan. It's like a little bit of a dirty, dirty plan. It's like how my mind would see it. But then I saw like, what are your posts? And I was like, whoa, like I have a whole new relationship with, with one plant just by reading your Instagram. So Mullen is such a cool plant. I mean, you're exactly right. What you notice is exactly right. Mullen gravitates towards lands that have been traumatized or destroyed. There was a beautiful hike in Connecticut and part of the hike was just completely clear cut. So everything was gone. And the it went from like beautiful forest with rich soil to like, like hard compacted soil that nothing could grow on except for Mullen because yeah. it's a pioneer plant, like its role in the ecosystem is to regenerate the soil for the forest so that other plants can come in. Totally. And it's so interesting to me when they, there was a, a national park that was, that had all these volunteers coming in to remove mullein. And I was like, why would you ever remove mullein? It's only invasive because <laughs> right. of the quality of the soil. Yeah. Right. right. I mean, poison ivy is like this for me too. I hated poison ivy for years. I am like, like if it's possible to get a rash from something, I feel like I will get a rash. (laughs) Right. My skin is just so reactive. So poison ivy for me, I would get it every year because we hike every summer and it would always be an awful experience. And then I started to spend time with poison ivy and to, to notice poison ivy in my experience only grows around the outside of the forest. Poison ivy thrives in areas like along the trails, the trailheads, along streets that go through a forest. It doesn't take down trees. I've never seen poison ivy destroy anything in the natural world. And poison ivy has really no effect on anything but humans. 
my dogs could eat poison ivy and be fine. They walk through it. They don't get a rash. The, yeah. And so it's my relationship to poison ivy changed when I realized it was there to protect the forest from humans. It's like, I think of poison ivy, like I think of like right. bumper balls bowling. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, it's like, all right, you can come into nature, but stay here. Like yeah. we've got plants to protect here. These animals don't have a lot of room to roam. Oh, like yeah. we, and when my perception of poison ivy changed, I haven't gotten a bad rash since. I've walked through poison ivy. Wow. For sure. With flip, I was on a plant walk and flip flops, which is an awful idea. But I walked through poison ivy and I didn't get a rash. And the only thing that changed was my relationship to the plant, which I think is such a so it like speaks to the kind of mystical nature of yeah. plants and, and herbalism. But I mean, to your point, like we, the only thing that stands between us and a relationship to the natural world is our willingness to be curious yeah, and to not put labels and judgments on things and to not call things doors. Oh my God, I know what a door does. It's so annoying. Yeah. It's, just, right? yeah. it's like spend time with poison ivy. Yeah. Notice yeah. how beautiful it is. Notice how it protects the forest. It just changes. The only thing that stands between someone and that is five minutes a day outside. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Cause I think what you're talking about translates so well into the, you know, the necessary work of, you know, changing our definitions and changing our relationships with our own thoughts with our own stories that we're telling i mean if you know well it speaks volumes of who you are as a person and the work that you've done for yourself but if you can change your relationship with poison ivy like (laughs) that's how you know how does that set you up to change a relationship with the feeling of shame and then after you have made those massive shifts in your lives how does that set you up to change your relationship with somebody who you have been vehemently disagreeing with? Like, absolutely. Same, same, yeah. same, 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 same. If I can learn to love something out here that I used to hate, yeah. I can learn to love something inside of me that I hate. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. It's such a beautiful reflection back to us because we are nature. This is us. Mm. We're looking at, cousins you know it's like yeah yeah. oh but people can find me on instagram where i will share (laughs) to answer your original question (laughs) i got sidetracked forgot that yeah (laughs) um my instagram is christine m dot stewart and if you want to follow along i will be this summer i am going to get myself a really great mushroom identification book if you're interested in following along on my nature hikes, that's where I'll be telling nice. stories about the plants and coaching and all the things. Yeah, I'll put all that in the show notes as well. Um, and you do coach. You are um, you are a coach and helping people do brilliant things in the world. Yeah. If you live in Columbus, Ohio or in the Ohio area, I'm also leading community hikes this spring and the summer, probably into the fall. We'll see how brave I get next winter, but uh, mm. I know I'm very excited. I know some peeps in Columbus. We'll send them your way. Yeah. God, yes, please. Cool. Yeah, we're gonna get outside. 
no matter what happens out in the world we we can hike (laughs) yeah oh my goodness christine thank you so much for being a repeat guest on the self-kindness repeat podcast such a joy and privilege to get to to share with and uh listen to you today this was so fun thank you for having me back Hmm. what a delightful conversation to have what a delightful human being and if you want to connect with her more if you want to be part of her world be sure to check out christine and all of her links are in the show notes below follow her on instagram or get that uh, i think she has like a weekly email such good stuff and how about you my friend i'm getting curious about you you know, we keep waiting for these moments. I think Christine talked about that at one point, like, you know, like we're waiting for the moments and it is in those moments of getting some space. It is in those moments of going out maybe into nature or maybe connecting with another human being. And we get that glimpse that there is so much more so much more than the schedule, so much more than the fear that holds us back and and stepping forward. So if you are at that place, it is time. We don't need to wait for the stars to align. We don't need to have all of our shit together to say yes to a journey that changes lives, changes your life, and it changes the world around you. Literally, if you want to change the world, if you want to see change in the world, then look no further than your own inner self. Be kind to that mind. Understand that your thoughts are not 100% who you are. It's a narrative and there is a way, there is instruction, there are tools that I can teach through my self-kindness life coaching that working together, we can move you incredibly, taking huge leaps and building a gorgeous foundation in this work. So reach out today, follow the links in the show notes or message me, find me on Instagram, and let's begin your journey today. All right, my friends, all the love.